for all you do. All right. Well, hey, guess what? We're starting a brand new series. If I could get the lights on, because the dark doesn't help. Okay, I need to see everybody. Thank you, Steve, and thank our tech team. Can you give them a shout out back there? All right, you guys are the, like double early risers. Okay, are you feeling it? You know, I want to just encourage you with some great news. Your, your day is going to be longer today. You know what I mean? And I, I love this part of the year because I get more daylight, you know, and it, it, just, it just reminds me, hey, good times are coming. Spring is coming. And it's like we went from, what was it, winter and rain to one week later, here we are in the summer, right? Isn't that awesome? So today we're starting a brand new series called Unchained. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, I want to be unchained. I want to be unchained. Yes. And we're going to be talking about some different things this week, but, you know, it's really, really important that, that Jesus came, that you understand that Jesus came so we could be unchained and so we can be set free. But isn't it interesting that even though you can be set free, you can get yourself back into trouble? And sometimes, like this next question, you don't even know why you're there. Even as a, as, a, as a follower of Jesus, look at what this question says. It's impossible to solve a problem if you don't know what's wrong in the first place. You know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, I can relate to this with, with cars. You know, because sometimes I don't know a whole lot, whole lot about cars, but I know when things aren't running right and the car's kind of making a weird noise and you know something bad's going to happen, so you pull off to the side of the road. And I don't even open the hood. Some people open the hood and they look at the motor. I don't even do that anymore because it's a waste of time. I don't know what's going on. I'm not a mechanic. Right? Some of you maybe you can figure stuff out, but most of us can't. And so what do we do? We call AAA. And you get taking your car to a mechanic and you ask somebody, hey, how can I fix this? You know, in life... This can go on as well. Things aren't working right, and we don't even know why. And some of us have spent a lot of time and a lot of money trying to fix a problem when we really don't even know what the issue is. And so today we're going to talk about one of the issues that's huge, it's significant, it complicates our life. And we're going to be talking about that for the next few weeks. But I just want you to do like a self-evaluation right now. You got any problems? You don't have to raise your hand. You don't say, yeah, I do. You know, you, just you, you just reflect. Do I have any problems? Maybe you're, you're here and, and, you know, you're married and you're going, you know, we got problems. And the great news is Jesus has solutions and, and the word has solutions. And let me just kind of open up to why we get ourselves back into trouble. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter seven, verse 15. Look at what he says here. I don't understand what I do. For what I, what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Then verse 18, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good. You know, you would not be here this morning if you didn't have the desire to do good. 
you wouldn't be here. You'd be somewhere else. And I just want to encourage you. You're here. Maybe you were forced to be here, but you're here because you want to do good. There's a part of you that wants to do good, right? But here's the problem. You have a desire to do what's, what is good, but Paul says here, I, I can't carry it out. I got this struggle going on. I got this struggle with myself. It's almost like I got two people inside of me. There's this, there's this one guy who wants to do right, but then there's this other person, this other guy, he keeps messing up. And I want to get rid of that other guy. And I want, to ha- I want to learn how to live the way God wants, not the way I want. And Paul goes on in verse, eight, verse 19, he says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do. This I keep on doing. This is frustrating. Even, you know, what's even more frustrating is you give your life to Jesus and you turn yourself in. You say, I want to do right, but you keep on doing wrong. And here's the great news. Paul came to grips with himself. He said, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And the great news is, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, Jesus came to deliver us from who? From ourselves. You know, and because of Jesus, I have hope. This morning, you know, when you wake up, you go, I have hope that I can make a change. But in order to fix the problem, you have to understand what the issue is. And the issue is you have this struggle going on between you and yourself. And there's another issue, and that is the world that's around us is, is, is creating a culture that they want you to do what they do. And so I want to bring out a friend uh, here to show us kind of uh, uh, an image of this, okay? I got a brother, John Catania. If you could stand right, right, right here, John, so everybody can see you, okay? So this is pretty tragic right here. Are you seeing this? Are you feeling this? So can I ask you a question, John? How, how, how did you get like this? You, Robin, and Robert, uh, you guys chained me up in the back. That's true. That's, That's true. true. We did that. You did. Okay, but metaphorically speaking for this lesson, okay? Okay. Can, can you relate to okay. being bound up like this in your past life? Yes. Um, there are so many things that in my past continue to creep into my life that it really takes a lot of, of a willingness to surrender so, yes, I do relate in every way. Okay, so if I were to ask you kind of the, how did you get yourself in bondage in the past? You know, where, where you, know, you got yourself in so many problems you couldn't find your way out, and you, and you look literally like this. How, how did you get there? I just couldn't tell the truth anymore. I didn't know the difference between myself, and I didn't know who I was. I didn't, uh, I didn't have any advice. I did things on my own. I loved pleasure. And I did things the way I wanted to do them because I had no advice and I didn't seek it. So the real issue was you did things your way. Yes. And when you started to get free. Yes. You started to do what? I started to, the chain, the weight of sin started to go away. Mm-hmm. I felt alive. I felt 
hope. Mm -hmm. So what if I told you you have the key to unlock these chains mm. in your pocket? I would love that. Why don't you, why don't you check that? Okay. You guys did a great job, by the way. Thank you. Oh, there it is. Got the key right there. I got the key. Okay. Can I lock just, it? Why don't you set yourself free? Okay. But I've been doing it my way the whole time. Is this okay? You're, you're making a choice right now. That's a good point. Oh, look at that. 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 Okay, let's get, you, let's get you freed up here. Look, he's got marks on his arms. Okay, let's get you freed up. Let's get you freed up here. I mean, completely free. Okay, because look at that. A lot lighter. Feels good. Still get that lock. Okay, we still got this. Okay, what if I told you that the key to this last chain that you got on your life is, is right in here in God's work. I'd say give it to me. <laughs> okay. Look what I got right here. Oh, come on, baby. Woo! Look what I got right here. Okay. Amen. Let me, let me. I like freedom. This is God's word right here. There's one. It's good to be set free. I like this feeling. There's two. Woo. You're free, my friend. Amen. Go live free. Brother, thank you. Okay? Go live free. Thank you, John. Realize. You know, I want to I wanna just talk about John because probably of anybody in our church, John was one of the most bound up people. And what he's doing right now, the way he's living right now, is amazing. It's amazing. And if you want to be set free from whatever's going on in your life, if you're a guest here today, I'm so glad you're here today because today is, is your day. See, because just like John had the key in his pocket, you have the key in your pocket. And the key is you making a decision, as you heard him say, to do God's will versus your will. The way I got myself into trouble all the time was doing what I wanted and doing what the world wanted me to do. And it created so much bondage in my life. So many chains, chains of addiction, chains of codependency, chains of, 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 of so, many, so many crazy things. And today we're going to talk about one of those chains that I believe is, is, is the most powerful chain, but, but the incredible thing is, is, it says here, that Jesus can deliver us. Yeah. Just like you saw John here getting set free, you and I can be set free. The choice is ours. Do you want to be free? Yeah. Or you do you want to be restricted? And when you're restricted, this, this can really mean that your life comes undone, that, that I mean, really makes a mess, failed relationships, failed dreams, and the most important thing is you fail at realizing God's dream for you. And it really comes down to this, whose way will you follow? 
Are you going to do it your way or are you going to do it God's way? And here's the reality. God's way is so much more superior to our way. And we got to make a choice each and every day. I want, to, I want to talk about the top 10 causes of stress. The top 10 causes of stress and anxiety in our lives. Do you know what they are? This is according to the, uh, the Stress and Anxiety Institute. They actually have an institute for that. And they've done an extensive research. What are the top 10 things? And I'm going to give you four. If you want all 10, you can come and see me afterwards. But I'm going to give you the top four. Top 10 things that causes stress and anxiety. You ready? Childhood trauma. Number one, abuse as a child, trauma as a child. It's, it's almost like it's engraved in your hard drive. Number two, a death of a loved one. Number three, divorce. And number four, are you ready? Finances. Finances. Do you know that number three and number four are related? Some of you are smart. These two right here are related. They're connected. You know what the number one cause of, of divorce is? It's, it's finances. These two are inter- intricately connected. Having a hard time this morning. It's, er- it's early. It's, it's early. Okay, forget it. I'm clicker happy. The number one destroyer of marriages, money. The number one destroyer of families is finances, without a doubt. And, and let's not even get into marriage. Maybe you're you know, in a relationship with somebody, and it's not just marriage, but what about friendships? You know what can divide friendships and families in an instant? Money. And you guys know this. We've seen it with our own eyes. Just how it just, and it it, it stresses people out. It destroys them. And instead of living free, they they go back to living in bondage with chains around their heart, around their hope. And they don't live as free people. So today we're going to unlock this issue right here, finances, we're going to spend some time for the next few weeks talking about finances because it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And I know I can already tell some of you are going like, oh boy, here we go. We're going to talk about money in church. Try to t- think about this differently because well, sometimes you go, I want to talk about spiritual things and I don't want to talk about money, but you got to realize everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Look at the world we live in where debt is so common. Students, they're not, some of them are here, but just students, they're going to be here at 11. Students, do you know that the average freshman college student is already carrying $48,000? That's the average college student is carrying $48,000 of debt. The average household and this doesn't include mortgages. This just includes, you know, car loans and credit cards. Wow. 43000 That's the average. You know, next week, I really want to ask for some participation. I'm going to ask for an anonymous survey of our church. Okay? And you can even write in block letters 
so that no one will know what you're... But I want us to know here, and, and, and I'm going to put mine in there too, but I want us to know what, what's this information in our church? Because it's clearly creating stress and bondage. It's like a time bomb. And this is the world we live in. It's almost like acceptable for us to live in this. And, and you got to know, understand that you can't have your everyday life and then your Sunday spiritual life that they're compartmentalized. No, everything is spiritual. Everything is tied together. And you can't compartmentalize. And the truth is people are chained up by the way they view money. And it's sad because the same way that I showed you God has the key, he can show us how to view money. And I believe in the coming weeks, there's going to be some people that are set free, which is exciting. And it's not say, well, you know, I'm, I'm debt free. Yeah, but do you know that in two weeks, you could have a crisis and jump right back into debt in no time? I mean, it's just, it's right around the corner. And, and I, I get applications probably four or five times a week from one source or another. And then I get letters for my kids. And guess what those letters are? <laughs> credit card, credit lines. And that's how, that's how that $48,000 happens so fast. I mean, right out of the gate, turn 18 and you're getting applications for credit. And it's a constant battle that we have. And, and here's something for us as a church. What could the people of God do for the kingdom of God if they saw money the way God does? What could we do if we were set free? If we could just see things the way God sees things and not be lured in the way the world sees finances? Man, it, it, it would be incredible. And so in a few weeks, we're going to be going through this as a church, and it's your choice, but we're going to be going through this, this, this curriculum for our small groups. It's called Financial Peace University. It's a Dave Ramsey curriculum, and we're going to go through it. And let me just give you a little synopsis because we're going to have people coming to our service and sharing their testimony, but our, our neighbor's neighbor, Turning Point, there's a region, it's a part of our church, the LA Church of Christ. The Turning Point did this a few years ago, and they worked on this for nine weeks, and they kept on working on it. Within a year, do you know how much debt that they lifted off of their congregation, which is about the same size as our congregation? Do you want to know how much debt that they lifted off of that church, of that, of that group? $1.1 million was lifted off of that church, that group of about our same number. And when they celebrated after the curriculum and after everything, I mean, people were going crazy because they were free. Because just like you saw with John getting the chains off, people had their chains off. And they could begin saving money, preparing for whatever might come. And they could start investing in things that, that are going to help people make change. 
And instead of paying the banks, they're now able to have a choice. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So in your small group, we're going to be talking about this, and it's going to be really, really exciting. And it's not just about eliminating debt. It's also how we can view money the way God views money. And I need that. Just so you guys know, I need that all the time. Look at what Jesus said. And, and it's an interesting thing about Jesus and his teaching about money. He taught more about money than he talked about any other subject. More than he talked about heaven and hell combined, he talked about money and possessions. More than, more than faith. You say, well, Jesus taught a lot about faith. You know what he taught more about? Money and possessions. Way more. Why did he, why did he teach so much on money and possessions? The reason is, it's God's number one competitor. The number one rival for our hearts is money. It's not the devil. He doesn't show his face. Oh, but he uses money. And he grabs our hearts and he pulls it away from God. And we make a thing God in our lives. So look at what Jesus says here. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where the moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. And this whole idea that there's, there's two types of treasures. There's an earthly treasure, and, and a lot of us think it's my stuff, right? That earthly treasure, it's mine. It's my stuff. Okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. What happens to your stuff? But store for yourselves treasures in heaven. So here's the second type of treasure. There's a treasure where? In heaven. And no one can take that away from you. No one can steal it. It's not going to rust or decay. It's going to be permanent. Where moss and vermin don't destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. It's foolproof. And then look at what he says here. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So where do you want your heart? Where do you want your heart? You want your heart with God? Or do you want your heart with your stuff? I mean, stop and think about that. I'm in love with my stuff. I mean, just, just go home today and look at all your stuff and go, I love you, man. I love my stuff. I mean, doesn't that sound crazy? But what about your family? When you love your stuff, guess what gets, gets who gets crowded out? Husband, your wife, friends, your family. There's no room. And Jesus is saying a really important point is, I can know exactly where your treasure is by looking at what? Your priorities. In fact, if you really want to know, just do your balance statement of your account. You can see where that money goes. You can see what you're vested in and where your heart is. Follow the trail. And, and just so you know, God doesn't want your stuff. God doesn't need your stuff. In fact, God, your stuff doesn't fit God's size. Okay, your clothes, your car, he can't fit in that stuff. It, it won't work. But he does want something from you. He wants your heart. 
And I can tell you, God is going to do a much better job with your heart than anyone or anything else that's out there. Because he's going to protect our hearts from all the ups and downs. But yes, he is after your heart. Why do you think Jesus died the way he died? God is obsessively passionate about you. He loves you. And he showed us, and he made it really, really clear. And then Jesus wraps it up. And this is a fact. No one can serve two masters. I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever worked for two bosses? It's crazy, isn't it? It's insane. I've done it. And you're trying to make this person happy and this person happy. And if this person isn't happy, but this person is happy, you're like, okay. And, and guess what the conclusion is? I want one boss. I want one boss, and I want to work for one person. And just focus on that one person. Either you will hate the one, and this happens. You're going to choose. You're going to gravitate towards one or the other. You can't stay in the middle. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot serve God, both God and money. It's impossible. You will go one way or the other. And why are, why are we talking about this? Because in just talking to some of our members and, and seeing where some people are at, I'm concerned for some. And, and others, I mean, it's just amazing what they've done, but it's also a question of staying on track, staying unchained. Because these chains are always lurking somewhere to bring you back. And it's always great to refresh your conviction. I'm staying clear of that. In fact, I'm going to stay so clear of it, I'm going to make sure, intentionally make sure that I invest in things of God. Look at this proverb. And I don't know if you know this, but proverbs are like tweets. I mean, really awesome tweets. They're just powerful, one sentence, one phrase, and they're so powerful from the Solomon. Look what he says. Be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches don't endure forever, and a crown does not, is not secure for all generations. This is Solomon talking. Had all the wealth he could imagine. Super wealthy. And look at what he's saying here. Even if you have a lot, you better know. You better know and you better give careful attention to your what? Your flocks and your herds. This is a, this is a, a, a time in society when they didn't have bank accounts. But they had herds and flocks. And you could assess how you're doing financially by looking at your herds and your flocks. So let me ask you a question. How are your herds and your flocks? Do you know the condition? Yeah, I'm not in a good spot financially. Do you know where things are going? It goes back to that original question. Can you fix a problem when you don't know what the issue is? And this is basically, let's break it down to a simple phrase. You need to be knowing where your money's going. Okay, so turn to your neighbor and, and say, it, say this phrase. You need to be knowing where your money's going. Go ahead. Go ahead and tell your neighbor. 
So let me just, let me just ask you a question. Do, do you know, do you know where, where your money's going? Do you track it? As much as it is or as little as it is. And that's the step one of, of, of getting your herds and your flocks in order. Because see, a lot of times what happens because we don't know, things get crazy. Yeah. Ever seen that happen? You're not tracking it. You're not looking at it. And so it just gets out of, out of hand. And then you crash and you're like, I can't even understand how this happened. But if you focus on something, guess what happens when you focus on something? And I didn't share this in the beginning, but I appreciate what happened in Turning Point. But a few years ago here in this region, we did a, a, a series called Crown Financial. And I remember, I remember our small group at that time. And I remember my situation because it was shortly after 2008. You remember what happened in 2008? It was bad. And I remember that credit lines before 2008 were so available and just like no interest rate. And then 2008 happened and it just got sideways. And I remember a credit line that we took out, I took out for us of $80,000 on our house. And so I was going to invest it in, a, in, a, in a, an investment. And guess how that investment went in 2008? So I was on the hook for $80,000, okay, out of my house, and I didn't have the money to pay for it. And I remember, I remember going through Crown, and they said, you need to set yourself free. You need to get out of debt. And I remember going to the bank, and I said, listen, I want to get out of debt. I want to be free. What can I pay you? I don't have the $80,000. But I went back and forth with them, and I said, how much can I pay you to get off the hook? And these were, these were things that I got from Crown and other, other, other options. And you know what creditors will do if you get serious and you focus on getting out of debt? You know what they'll do? They'll negotiate. And I... I went and, and I and you know it was back and forth. I finally got it down to eighteen thousand dollars, from eighty to eighteen. And he said, "If you write a check for eighteen thousand dollars, we will set you free." I said, "Let's go." Okay. And I remember going to group that night. I remember going to group that night and sharing with the group. Because we were so focused on it, because we were, it, it was so awesome. And then there was another couple in our group. And they, they got, you know, they're, they're, they got a refi on their house because they were about to lose their house. They were this close to losing their house. And because we focused on it, some incredible things happened. And so I, I believe that if you focus on this, if we focus on this as a church, there's going to be some freedom that comes. And so this is really what it comes down to, to spy, to spy on your spending. Spy on your spending. Look at it. Know what's happening with your spending. Look at another, another uh, Solomon tweet. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. You know, another thing we're going to learn as we go through Financial Peace University, is, is storing up and saving money for a rainy day. And some of you may not be in debt, and I congratulate you for that. But are you ready? 
for the storm? Do you have something set aside for a rainy day? For an emergency? Because it happens like that. And health problems can bankrupt people in an instant if you're not ready. And so it's, our, it's on us. It's our responsibility. And this is what God is teaching us. You've got you to have something set aside. But look at what the world does. Look at what the world does. They spend money before they even have it. They borrow from tomorrow so they can have today. And what does it do to people's lives and their marriages and their families and their relationships, their joy, their peace? They go back to the chains. Look what Abraham Lincoln, his quote, this is an awesome quote. Discipline is just choosing between what you want now and what you want most. What do you want most? What do you want most? I can, you know, if, if I want something really awesome down the road, I can forego what I need, want, want now because I'm focused on what, what's the end game, what's the goal. I mean, you can't, you can't argue this. This is, this is incredible wisdom. So I'm going to leave you with these two things, and then we're going to take the communion. Two things, homework this week is number one this week, and I, I want to I ask you, I want to call you to do this because you've got to know you got to be knowing where your money's going. So I want to encourage you at the dollar store, they have these little booklets. I, I, I left mine back there, but it's, it's just a little notebook, and I want you to record every expense. And next week, we're going to know where it's going. And if you want to even take it a step further, you can go the full distance and track it for the rest of this month. And you're going to know where your heart is and where your treasure is by the flow. But guess what? You track it. Guess what you're going to do? Are you going to spend that money carelessly when you know where it's going? You're going to go, no, man. And so I want to encourage you to do that this week. All right? Are you, are you with me on that? Are you going to do that this week? Track your thing? Okay, you could do it. You know, and if you want to be, you know, some of you guys are really techie. Techie, you can go and get, you know, a free app uh, and, and track it that way. Okay, then number two, say out loud. Okay, say out loud every day this week. Say out loud. God is the owner. I'm the manager. Let's say it together. God is the owner. I'm the manager. Okay? God is the owner. I'm the manager. If it's your stuff, can you take it with you when you die? Then I guess it's not yours, is it? It's not yours. You just have it on loan. Who's going to get it after you go? Well, my kids are going to get it. But if you don't teach your children, and this is the, the, the incredible thing that we have coming before us is we get to teach our children. We get to have family devotionals with our kids about money and get the jars out and start, and, and, and go ahead, get the chains out. Let your kids start to tie up mom or dad and, and let them see what it looks like to live in debt. And then what it looks like to be set free. So I want you to say this every day. Can, can you do that today? Say it out loud. Don't be, you know, like, say it out loud in your car when you're driving. Okay? God is the owner. I'm the manager. God is the owner. I'm the manager.
And just go around, and if people hear you say, he's crazy. No, you're, you're the smartest person in the room. When you pull out your wallet, God is, the man, God, is the, God is the owner, I'm the manager, and I'm gonna make a good decision about what I'm gonna do today. Okay, and, and I'm gonna probably do this more in the, in, the, uh, in the afternoon service, but college students, the few of you that are here, high school students, the few of you that are here because they're coming later, here, here's what we more mature people have to say to you. Don't be stupid like I was. Hey, don't be stupid like I was. Shane, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid like I was. Don't be stupid like I was. Okay? Be free. Be free. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you know that Jesus died so that we would be free? Why, why would we go back if he went through so much? Why would we go back to this? Why would we go back? And the reason we get ourselves in financial trouble or sin trouble or whatever's dogging you, whatever change you got going on, why would you go back when he paid such a high price for you to be set free? And the reason is we want to do things our way and not understand God's ways are so much more superior than ours. So I want to encourage us as we take the communion, just, just make a decision. I want to do things God's way. Amen. Are you with me? It's a real simple decision. And do those two things this week. And let's watch what happens in one week. Pray with me for the communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you that we can be a part of a, of a church, of a place, and a, and, a, and a fellowship of your kingdom, God, where we can escape the perils of this world because it's all around us. Our neighbors, our friends, they're getting divorced and their lives are coming undone and, and families are being ruined and people's lives are being ruined because of the chains. Father, thank you that Jesus came to set us free. Father, we want to lift up his body, his blood right now as we take the communion. We want to remember the price that was paid for our freedom and we want to redecide to live as free people. Father, thank you. And I pray over our church this morning, God, that you'll please deliver us from our chains. And some may be financial. Some may be other stuff that's going on. I pray we can all make that decision, Father, in the name of Jesus, to do it your way, not our way, not the world's way. Thank you for Jesus. Bless our communion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Thank you, Leslie. Uh, we're going to take up the collection, our offering right now. And, and some of you, I know you may be thinking, well, the bottom line of this whole series is so that we can give more money to the church. No. I don't want a thing from you. Our financial committee doesn't want a thing for you, but God wants your heart. God wants your heart. And his word teaches us, you know, when we give, we protect our heart from greed. And when we manage our money well, we'll have money freed up to give. The last few weeks, we've seen a number of people getting baptized at the end of our 11 o'clock service. It's been incredible. And uh, even, even this past uh, Tuesday night, okay, I don't know if she's here, she's probably coming to the, uh, to the, 11, the 11 o'clock service, right? One of our teens was baptized. Help, help me remember Cassandra was baptized on Tuesday night. What, what an incredible thing. I mean, just week after week, lives are being changed. People are being set free. Families, situations. And that all becomes because people invest in our teen ministry, in our singles ministry, our campus ministry. It's an investment. I want to read you Matthew 25 and verse 19. This is a parable that Jesus taught. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. This is the parable of the talents. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. So basically he had five that he was given by his master and guess what he made with those five? Another five. A hundred percent return on the master's investment. Think he did a good job managing the talents? I mean... I want this guy to manage my money. <laughs> and he says, see, I have gained five more. And look what his master says. And the parable is, is God wants us to be great stewards, and we can if we do it his way. His master said, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Come and share your master's joy. You know, when we manage things well, guess who's fired up? God is. And you know what he does? He says, I'm going to give you some more. You won't want to do that for that motivation, okay? We don't want to do it for that motivation. But the nice thing to know is to say, he's going to give you more responsibility, more blessings, because you manage them well. That's why we want to be great stewards. Because we want to be ready for more. And I have a feeling in our church, there's more on the way. Not less, more. But the reason there's been less is because we're not doing a great job managing what we have. And so, just want to leave you with that. And if you want an update of how we're doing in our offering each week, it's on the back of our bulletin. Uh, there's an ebb and flow, okay? And we want to see it be, being more steady and consistent. Because I believe that's what, when we can empower our, our fact. And just so you know, just so you know, I'm not getting any, any bonuses if our offering goes up. It's the same, and it's been the same. I got people managing what I get. We go to great lengths to make sure in our church we manage the money well. Amen. Let's pray for the offering. 
Father God, we thank you 